This is the 158th podcast, actually QuackCast. It is called Mel Asks, and I do my best to answer. I read a lot of pseudo-medical websites. The writing is at best pedestrian, often turgid, and at its worst, incoherent. It is rarely either engaging or clever. Wit, the clever bon mot, the amusing turn of phrase or retort, is rare at best. So rare, I cannot think of an example. It is ironic that those who engage in fantastical treatments are so often lacking in cleverness with language and thought. The closest you get to humor are the painfully lame cartoons at the Natural News. I am sure that the readers will now flood the comments with examples of all the clever writing I have missed in the world of pseudomedicine, just to prove me wrong. Not that the reality-based world is much better. It is the rare author on the internet whose style keeps me coming back for more. But for some reason I found Dear Science-Based Medicine just a few questions about acupuncture both funny and engaging, at odds with most of the purple, quasi-paranoid articles I normally read. Just the right amount of chatty snarkiness to be enjoyable, at least for me. So refreshing given the style of the usual pro-acupuncture comments. Your mileage may vary. I thought when reading the article I would enjoy discussing acupuncture over a beer with Mel. And may I call you Mel? It is how you signed your entry, but I do not want to be creepy, so I am a find and replace away from changing it all to Ms. Koppelman. If there is any personality in an article, I tend to form a totally erroneous mental picture of the writer. Oh, and sorry, Mel, the first few times I read the article, I did not look at your bio or picture, it was on a cell phone, and assumed Mel was a male name. My bad. It says something, oh, about my biases. Mel asks many questions of science-based medicine, and I will do my best to answer them, although I lack the time to reply to all of them. And I will take the opportunity to ask some of my own questions as well. Mel can have a two-part to her article, the gift of blog fodder that keeps on giving. Before she gets to the questions, however, Mel makes a key statement. Quote, I now understand that the positive results I see in practice are due to the subjective impression improvement without actual improvement and the lack of a controlled setting. And basically people in general being, how do you describe them? Kind of simple and a bit moronic? I mean, people actually think they're in less pain, sleeping better, feel better in themselves, pooping more when they're constipated, pooping less when things are moving too quickly, taking less medications and taking fewer days off work, etc., etc., what a bunch of gullible dodo brains, am I right? That post hoc ergo prompter hoc gets them over and over and over and over again. Poor dears. I want to be clear, I never think of the users of pseudomedicine as kind of simple, or a bit moronic, or as having gullible dodo brains. Mel, can you give a half dozen examples from the bloggers as opposed to the commenters? I would be curious as an example. Oh yeah, food babe. But as my kids would say, based on her content, objectively, those adjectives may very well apply. So, besides the food babe, while I may think acupuncture is a bit moronic, I, and I wager my colleagues as well, do not have the same opinions of its users or practitioners. 
I try hard in my dotage to disparage the message, not the messenger. But I have no doubt you can find examples where we have referred to those who use acupuncture as some version of idiot. Proponents of most pseudomedicines are humans and, like me, are at risk for the innumerable ways, the many cognitive biases that make our interpretation of causality suspect. We are horrible at understanding reality. Being wrong does not make a person a gullible dodo brain. Only wrong. Otherwise, we would all be dodo brains. Perhaps a poor example. So, Mel, I would ask the question, what criteria would you use to judge whether a therapy works? Subjective endpoints? Objective endpoints? Personal experience? Clinical trials? And what do you mean by works? When I say acupuncture does not work, I mean it does not alter primary anatomical or physiologic processes causing the disease in question. Do patients perceive benefit from acupuncture or other pseudomedical therapies? You bet. Like all effective placebos, it can have positive psychological effects. Interactions with other caring human beings have a perceived benefit, the same benefit that occurs when a child has his boo-boo kissed or two apes groom each other. And Mel, how would you control for the endless ability for people to see what they want to see, to have their biases confirmed? To quote the master, there's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you, fool me, you can't get fooled again. Or perhaps, more coherently, the first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. I always remember N-rays. At the beginning of the last century, some physicists saw a new form of radiation that made no sense based on their understanding of radioactivity and subsequently published hundreds of articles in physics journals on the topics. The researchers continued to see N-rays even after the machine that produced them was disabled without their knowledge. And it turned out that N-rays were a figment of their imagination. And that is in the hardest of the hard sciences, experimental physics. Whenever I see an alleged therapeutic effect, due to a pseudomedicine or a reality-based intervention, I always ask, are they publishing the equivalent of NRAs? And a good deal of the time, unfortunately, they are. I would note up front that Mel and I differ in our standards. I never, ever trust my experience for determining if a therapy is effective. There are just too many ways I can be fooled into thinking that what I am doing works. It is why the three most dangerous words in medicine are in my experience. And I remember every day that I am the one most likely to be fooled by my experience. It is why I generally trust independent studies where bias is removed and the endpoint is not dependent on the whims of the patient and the researcher. You know, the double-blind placebo-controlled trial. One of the issues I look for in acupuncture trials is whether the patient and the researcher were blind and if the blinding was successful, since there is, quote, Empirical evidence of pronounced bias due to lack of patient blinding in complementary alternative randomized trial with patient-reported outcomes. And, quote, lack of blinded outcome assessors in randomized trials with subjective time-to-event outcomes cause high risk of observer bias. Non-blinded outcome assessors typically favor the experimental intervention, exaggerating the hazard ratio by approximately 27%. Warping bias can even happen in animal studies. 
quote, lack of blinding and outcome assessors in animal model experiments with subjective outcomes implies a considerable risk of observer bias. Combine the above with the issues of placebo effect and bias for pain, quote, we do not find that placebo interventions have important clinical effects in general. However, in certain settings, placebo interventions can influence patient-reported outcomes, especially pain and nausea, although it is difficult to distinguish patient-reported effects of placebo from biased reporting. The effect of pain varied even among trials with low risk of bias, from negligible to clinically important. And I conclude that it can be very difficult to know if therapeutic effects are real if blinding is not fastidious, especially if the endpoints are subjective. Patients see what they want to see. So, Mel, I ask, since we here at Science-Based Medicine are often called arrogant, although not by you, I hasten to add, what is more arrogant given the sins to which memory is prone? Those who rely upon their experience are those who are skeptical of that experience. Why do you trust your experience as valid given all the potential biases that could be coloring your perception of efficacy? In other words, Mel, how do you know that you're not seeing in-rays when you are seeing acupuncture efficacy? Mel continues, on your site, you define acupuncture as practice of placing very thin needles to the skin in specific locations for the purpose of healing and relief of symptoms. Mel does not object to that definition. But it describes acupuncture, but is oh so inadequate. So I would ask, as long as we are asking questions, Mel, are all of the 30, 40, 50 styles of acupuncture, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, ear, Wong Lee, etc., 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 all equally legitimate? I ask because I understand symptoms such as pain, sleeping better, feel better in themselves, pooping more when they are constipated, pooping less when they are moving too quickly, as due to the result of different physiologic processes and anatomy. The causes of insomnia are different than the causes of diarrhea. Well, maybe not. Diarrhea can keep you up at night. And each can have multiple different potential etiologies. The insomnia of existential guilt and angst, am I oversharing? is not the same as that from too much coffee. And constipation from hypothyroidism is not the constipation of narcotic abuse. From my reductionist, reality-based approach to disease, each process would require a different intervention. Different mechanisms result in different treatments of the underlying process. And yes, I try and treat the underlying processes, not symptoms. If all forms of acupuncture are equally effective for all forms of healing and relief of symptoms, then what is the underlying mechanism? Because I cannot see needles in the skin having an effect on such a wide variety of fundamentally diverse processes, or any process for that matter, at least based on known anatomy and physiology. The World Health Organization has a huge list of diseases that are allegedly amenable in some way to acupuncture. Mel, are there any you disagree with? It is one hell of a list. How can needles in the skin have so many effects? What is the mechanism that ties them all together? The one ring to bind them? The commonality underneath acne, schizophrenia, whooping cough, and excess saliva? Or is there a different mechanism for each disease? To my way of thinking, either these all have the same underlying mechanism to provide healing from acupuncture, or it is all in rays.
Which brings us to the quote, but when you say that acupuncture doesn't work, the main argument you repeat over and over and over and over again is that acupuncture doesn't work because there's no such thing as key. As a side note, when writing a blog entry or doing a podcast, do you presume that the reader or listener has the background of all the prior blog entries, or should the entry be self-sufficient, self-contained? I choose self-contained. I look at each entry, each podcast, as an island universe, unique unto itself. But that does lead to lots of repetition, as this particular podcast no doubt confirms. Mel, if there is no key, how does one process, needles in the skin, accomplish dozens of different ways, Chinese, Japanese, etc., affect so many radically different processes? Seems far-fetched to me. Mel continues with a good point. Quote, whether or not inserting or stimulating small needles for therapeutic benefit is effective for symptom reduction or disease resolution doesn't really rely on the existence of key as an explanatory model. That is true. Acupunctures could work for both, say, infertility and pain, as well as everything else on the list from an as-of-yet unknown underlying unified mechanism. Because I can't see how acupuncture could work for those processes based upon what we do know about anatomy and physiology. But the plausibility of the mechanism is important if you are a Bayesian kind of gal. If you have an implausible intervention, then any efficacy is likely to be due to a false positive and due to bias and poor methodology. Needles in the skin to alter constipation and fertility and acne and schizophrenia seems highly implausible. And as much as Bayes makes my head hurt, it appears to be the way the world works. So it is highly probable that any effect of acupuncture is likely due to bias. Smarter people than I have written about Bayes and his application of pseudoscience. There is some arbitrariness to deciding prior plausibility. But given the above discussion of the issues of bias and the difficulty in ascribing one therapy with such a multitude of effects, perhaps you can see how I would rate the prior plausibility of acupuncture as close to zero as you can get without actually reaching it. And in your essay, you do not offer compelling reasons for me to change my mind. Quote, you're basically saying that in order for sticking needles into someone to have therapeutic effect, that key must exist. And if key doesn't exist, then acupuncture has no therapeutic benefit. Yes and no. I am saying that if key does not exist, then you have no mechanism to account for the effects of acupuncture on a multitude of processes that are all fundamentally different. You have no reason for a specific effect on a specific process. That is different, of course, from a therapeutic effect. To repeat my favorite metaphor, acupunctures are beer goggles. It gives the appearance of improvement with no actual change. Kind of a Zen koan, right? Although the only thing I got out of my time in a Zen temple in Kyoto all those years ago was a welt on my back from being hit by a board during medication to shock me into enlightenment. Fail. Penicillin will cure streptomyces endocarditis every time, whether you believe in germs or not. Acupuncture works best when patients believe they are getting acupuncture and they believe that acupuncture is effective. When a therapeutic effect depends primarily on belief, it suggests that any effect on the conditions the WHO lists is illusory, given the lack of a reasonable mechanism. But Mel, you remain vague throughout. 
The vagueness is a wee bit harder to discuss than specifics. What then is acupuncture? In which style? And how does it work? And for what process? Mel continues, quote, One of the main arguments against acupuncture is it lacks a plausible mechanism. But you also argue the copious amount of research into acupuncture's mechanisms are not relevant to the argument of to whether acupuncture works or not. I find this really confusing because you say that the basic science considerations are, in essence, ignored in determining whether there is sufficient prior scientific plausibility of acupuncture to treat, for instance, infertility or depression, and equivocal bias-prone clinical trials are ranked much higher than basic science considerations that make the hypothesis that acupuncture can do anything for infertility so implausible as to border on impossible, barring new evidence speaking to its plausibility. So if I understand you correctly, you are saying that acupuncture as a treatment modality is implausible, but you're not going to look at the research that explores its plausibility because it's irrelevant to the argument? In order to take a science-based approach to the question of acupuncture's biologic plausibility, you're going to make a conscious decision not to evaluate the research into its effects on the brain using fMRI, purogenic signaling, automatic tone using heart rate variability, effects on gene expression using high-throughput metabolomics, and meconotransduction studies compared to sham. That is an interesting stance to take. That is, of course, assuming that all those results are valid. To paraphrase another, most published research findings are actually false. Yep, you read that correctly. For a variety of reasons, including funding sources, poor research design, and good old standard bias, most published research findings end up being unrepeatable and are overturned. And it is on these very results that the entire institution of medical acupuncture is poised. Shaky foundations indeed. When your acupuncturist prescribes you a needle or recommends an herb, assuming that these decisions are even based on the most up-to-date and highest quality research, there's a good chance that those conclusions will be shown to be flat-out wrong in due course. Sobering, isn't it? Yep, sobering. Most of the positive research on acupuncture is likely wrong. As you note later, quote, wow, that's a very nuanced position. I feel relieved that the good people of science-based medicine are equipped to tease out these subtleties. Yeah, nuance is important in these issues. The devil and the fascination is in the details of the topic. Precision of language hopefully reflects precision of thought. So here's hoping I can be precise and clear. Wish me luck. Sticking needles in animals, especially as part of a healing ritual in humans, is going to have local effects and effects in the brain. So will stubbing your toe. The question is whether it is more than the effects of the needle in the skin and results in altering the panoply of processes the WHO says are amenable to treatment from acupuncture. I see the literature about the alleged mechanisms of acupuncture as the literature of the effects of poking needles in the skin. It has no wider applicability to treating any disease or symptom, the raison d'etre of acupuncture. So Mel, how do those fMRI studies, purinergenic signaling, autonomic tone using heart rate variability, effects on gene expression using high output metabolomics, and 
Mekono transduction studies compared to sham shed light on the mechanism for using acupunctures for stroke, leukopenia, depression, or the GI issues noted in your opening statement. And I wonder, as I understand it, in TCM, the diagnosis for which acupuncture is used is based on tongue and pulse characteristics. Now, how do you translate the tongue pulse diagnosis to reality-based diagnoses and fMRI and purinergenic signaling as examples? Quote, any mechanistic studies about acupuncture that you have managed to read that do show a plausible mechanism don't actually address acupuncture, just the insertion of tiny needles in the acupuncture treatment reminiscent fashion. Got it. Correct. By Jove, I believe she's got it. The needle near the knee does nothing to the key. The pin near the shin does nothing. The point near the joint. Eh, I really should edit that out trying way too hard, but so close. And think back to N-rays. They had all sorts of research and theories to explain how N-rays worked, or cold fusion. If the effect you are seeing is an illusion, then the research explaining it is either an illusion or, more likely, irrelevant. Harriet Hall coined the term tooth fairy science. Tooth fairy scientists mistakenly think if they have collected data that is consistent with their hypothesis, then they have collected data that confirms their hypothesis. Tooth fairy science seeks explanations for things before establishing that those things actually exist. For example, you could measure how much money the tooth fairy leaves under the pillow, whether she leaves more cash for the first or last tooth, whether the payoff is greater if you leave a tooth in a plastic baggie versus wrapped in Kleenex. You could get all kinds of good data that is reproducible and statistically significant. Yes, you have learned something, but you haven't learned what you think you have learned because you have not bothered to establish whether the tooth fairy actually exists. Given issues of prior plausibility and issues of bias in studies, I am more inclined to see such explanatory studies through the lens of tooth fairy science. And, quote, by assigning a low prior plausibility score to acupuncture, any positive studies now magically have very little positive predictive value. In other words, the chance that a positive study is true, rather than a false positive, are inversely proportional to the prior plausibility value that you made up off the top of your head without reading the literature. Bravo! You got it. Perfect. You do understand. Except about the reading the literature part. I did. You just cannot apply it to your own practice. Mel continues with, quote, pragmatic studies. Better to be a skeptic with a migraine than a pain-free idiot. Am I right? Up high. Mel notes, quote, if we take a condition like migraines, for example, we see in double-blind RCTs that needling acupuncture points is roughly equal in effectiveness to needling non-acupuncture points, and both of these are very, very effective indeed. The classic interpretation is that if an intervention is no better than placebo, it does nothing specific for the process being treated, and you are seeing the sum total of the nonspecific and usually beneficial effects of a medical intervention, a.k.a. the placebo effect. My favorite example is still the internal mammary ligation, which was used for angina in the 1960s, until it was shown that fake surgery had the same effects as the procedure. Mel, how would you interpret the internal mammary artery ligation studies? And more importantly, how would you apply it? 
by your interpretation, we should still be doing internal mammary artery ligation, right? Or arthroscopic partial meniscectomy. I hate that word. Both are equal to sham procedure. Look at the graphs. Real and sham surgery had an equal decrease in knee pain, about 50%. About the same degree or effect you credit to real and sham acupuncture. As a Gedanken experiment, let's ignore the specifics and say that acupuncture and arthroscopic partial meniscectomy, meniscectomy, ugh, I hate that word, cause an equal, 50%, decline in knee pain, and ignore the cost and the risk and the morbidity of surgery. So would you say that arthroscopic partial meniscectomy <laughs> works for knee pain as well as acupuncture and should be used? And how about sham arthroscopic partial meniscectomy. I mean, if you want to be all pragmatic, study about it. Although not done, I would wager both sham and arthroscopic partial meniscectomy are better than waitlist or medical therapy. The more complicated the placebo, the larger the effect. I see them all as not working, not affecting a specific anatomical or physiologic process. They do have beneficial effects. They are placebos, like acupuncture. It is one of the ongoing ethical interesting questions. Are placebos ethical? I think not, since to use them requires lying to the patient. Quote, and if you are saying that in these studies show that acupuncture doesn't work because acupuncture and minimal acupuncture are similarly effective, what does that say about pharmaceuticals? Probably that some pharmaceuticals are overrated in their effects. Water is wet, fire is hot. The numerous issues with modern medicine and the perversion of clinical trials are a different question. It is the old, there are issues in airlines, so let's use flying carpets argument. Don't you like people and want to learn more about what's effective in making them better? Doesn't it at least make you ask a couple of questions about so-called science-based medical treatment and why it is no more effective than scam, as you so cleverly call it, in the real world? I mean... If being nice to someone for an hour a week while duping them into buying expensive woo is more effective than science-based medical drugs with all the risks they entail, then shouldn't that be further explored? I mean, if you want to be all science-based about it? I suspect you are using the term duping ironically, as is the rest of the sentence. But at a fundamental level, it is how I unironically see virtually all the pseudomedicines discussed on this site, except the duping part which implies willfully fooling people. Which again raises interesting questions of approach to healthcare. Here is mine. My job as a physician is to accurately diagnose my patient, tell the patient what is going on, what their options are, and make them better if I can. They have entrusted me with their health and their life and their hope and their money and their time, all of which are precious, and I take that responsibility very seriously. Although an atheist all my life, I curiously see being in healthcare a calling. Although, calling to what? I'll be damned if I know. Pseudomedicines like acupuncture can and do waste health and time and money and hope because they are at their core in rays. So no, it shouldn't be further explored. The answer to bad medicine is to improve it, not to explore magic systems divorced from reality. Quote, don't you like people and want to learn more about what's effective in making them better? Mel, mel, mel. 
Such a wonderful snark fest, ruined by disparaging the motives of the messenger rather than addressing the message, albeit a minor example. I have to admit, it fries my bacon, it gripes my cookies, or whatever angry food analogy that whips your smoothie. I am proud of the work I have done for the last 33 years and have always strived to do the best I can for my patients. I do this gig and medicine because I hope I am a caring, committed healthcare provider whose primary motivation is to help my patients. Certainly that is true of almost every healthcare worker I have ever known, reality-based or otherwise. But that is another difference between pseudo-medical providers and those of us at SBM. We do not usually presume malign intent. I think you are wrong about acupuncture, but I presume your motives are beneficent. But as someone said, some haters are always going to hate. Okay, we'll let them. I know, boo-hoo, poor, poor, pitiful me. I have an issue. Where's my tissue? Mel has more questions, and I lack the time to address them further. I have a finite amount of time and need time with family and other parts of my growing multimedia empire. I usually do the final draft of these podcasts on a Thursday night, but with my eldest offer his final semester of college, I will be taking him out for dinner instead of answering the rest of Mel's questions. Damn, time does fly. Time flies like an arrow. Fruit flies like a banana. Mel... I hope this helps answer at least some of your questions. Like you, I learn a lot by writing these articles, and I hope you learn by reading them. I do not think we will ever agree, but I do enjoy the style of your blog, even if I do not agree with the content. I look forward to your answers, and I hope at least one laugh at my expense. All the best to you as well, Mark. And that brings an end to the 152nd QuackCast. The references are at Science-Based Medicine, with the hyperlinks to the appropriate references. Go to sfsbm.org for the Society for Science-Based Medicine, and look at the organization we are trying to build there. Also, of course, my growing multimedia empire at edgydoc.com. And I really should pit my book, The Pus Whisperer. It's available on Amazon as both a Kindle book and as a dead tree book. Well worth your time. And if you read it and you like it, Write me a glowing review on Amazon. In fact, just generally, go online and write me glowing reviews. It feeds my ravenous ego and it's good for me. Talk to you next time. Bye.